James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. James says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go uh, to this city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why, you do not, know, do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Notice what it says there in verse 14. James says that our life is like a mist that quickly vanishes away. The reality of death is something that we all face. Most of us have encountered death during our lifetime. Some of us uh, have lost uh, lost a number of family members sometimes sometime in the past uh, the older we get uh, a lot of us are getting older uh, the older we get the more of our friends and relatives and family members pass away sickness uh, can take lives quickly as well uh, accidents we see that on our news each night don't we and then of course there's war and the murder that seems to come onto our news service almost every day One of the saddest types of death, I think, is when a baby dies. It seems to be the most tragic death that we experience. The difference between life and death is just one breath. Or as one famous American evangelist used to say, death is just one heartbeat away. Or maybe Jane would say one short breath away. Death is the result of sin, as we've seen and we know from Genesis chapter 3. If you Eat of it, you shall surely die, God said to Adam and Eve. One day, of course, death will be no more when Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom here on earth, which we read about in the Bible reading. But but for now, death, even our death, are part of life in this fallen world. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul talks about this as well. He says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your string? Sorry, sting. <laughs> Life is held by a short string, isn't it? <laughs> the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, dear brothers, stand firm, he says. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the We need to live our life and make our plans, James says to us, in submission to God and in the light of his purpose for each one of us. We need to stand firm. Let nothing move us from his purpose for our lives. James also confirms what Paul is saying in this passage. In chapter 5, verse 8, James says, You too, be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. It is true that our life is short, but we can give our short life in service to God and to others and we can make it count by giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord, the work that he desires us to be involved in. Are you willing to give your whole life in service to God? Are you willing to live as a Christian, to be a Christian parent, a Christian tradesman, a homemaker, a Christian business partner, a missionary or even a minister, a servant of God who preaches his word? Such a life committed to God is not wasted. No, serving God is how we store up treasure in heaven. Your life is just a mist, James says. 
It's an interesting description. The King James Bible uses the word vapour and to describe what our life is. A mist is like a, a cloud that appears in the early morning. Um, the sun rises and very quickly the, the, uh, the cloud is burnt away. On a recent trip back in December, we went up to uh, a place called Halam. That's about all the Burmese I can know and say. But Halam is up in what they call the hill country. And uh, as you go up into the hill country, you, you're going up 6,000, over 6,000 feet, almost straight up. The cliffs are, are quite incredible. But you see this picture, if you could put the picture on for us. Um, not there, it's not working. Oh, I took that picture for no good purpose, apparently. But these, uh, the, the, there's a beautiful view. You know, if you'd been yourself, you've been up the Blue Mountains or somewhere, you, you go through that mist of cloud on the way up. Sometimes it stays there and you can't see the three sisters. All you can see is the cloud. But of course, once the sun comes up very quickly, the, the, uh, the uh, mist or the cloud is melted away. Um, the heat of the sun evaporates it. So James is using this, if you like, as an illustration of how temporary life is. He's saying our life is a bit like that mist that we sometimes see in the morning. We can waste our life, our very short life, by selfishly eating, drinking and being merry or we can make it count for eternity. Our life is simply a loan that God has graciously given to us. We can waste it or we can invest it for his kingdom. On a cold morning or an evening you can see your breath in the air. Quickly comes and quickly goes. Do you do that with your kids or your grandkids, you know? Huff and out it comes. Well, that's what James is talking about here. He's saying that's what life is like. Compared to eternity, our time here on earth is very short. We find this hard to comprehend because we don't know about eternity and the reality of that. Wipe a puff, a puff of smoke from a cigarette or a spray from a can. So quickly, life can end. Can Glen 20. So James is saying, watch, it's gone. That's what your life is like compared to eternity. That's what James is saying to us. Stinks a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not deodorant, it's Glen 20, so it's safe. Okay. So we need to remember that this is what life is like. It's very short. We need to make it last and make sure we use it carefully and for God's glory, not just for eating and drinking. Now you see it, then it's gone. That's what life is like. Now you have it, then it is gone. Someone has said that life is like a play or a musical. We are the actors, but God is the author, the manager and the producer of that play and we need to submit to him. In ages past, in the country of Turkey, when Constantinople was the capital, when they crowned or inaugurated a new emperor, they would call in the uh, stonemasons and they would present before the emperor several tombstones. And when he was first appointed to the position, his first task was to choose his headstone for his grave. Because he was coming into this position of great power, they wanted to remind the king or the emperor that life is temporary and therefore we need to be thinking about the end of life. I wonder if that's what we should do to our Prime Minister or maybe to Donald Trump or to other people. Remind them that life is very temporary, that uh, it won't last. So whether you're a king or a queen, 
an emperor or a president, your life is just like a mist, a fine spray. James is saying your life is a very brief thing, particularly when you compare it to eternity, which is something our mind really can't cope with. Are you making your life count or are you living a life based on pleasure and self-centred materialism? That's what James is talking about in this passage. Have you chosen your burial plot? Some people have already purchased the place where they're going to be buried. What would you like to have written on your tombstone? All good things to think about. Have you planned your funeral service? Have you chosen your hymns and your Bible readings? It's probably a bit early to choose who the preacher will be. You might you know, stay there longer than them. If you want an idea of how to do all that, Sue's done all that. There's a file in Camelot Home. Pull the file out there for a funeral service. We sang one of her songs this morning. She said to me, that's one of my funeral songs. <laughs> Life is just a mist. It's a bit like this. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> you get you too. <laughs> that's what life is like. We need to make sure we plan for our death and plan for eternity. James says something similar to what he said in the verses we looked at in chapter 4. We turn to James chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. He says there, The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat, and with it's a plant. Its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. They're challenging words, aren't they? I like the expression about flowers. As you know, I do, or most of you would know, I do a little bit of lawn mowing. And often I'm asked by my customers, can you trim this bush or this plant? And often I've said to them, why don't we wait till after the flowers have withered and fallen? It seems a shame to me. I, I don't like trimming trees off with beautiful flowers on them. Uh, flowers are a great creation from God. Their beauty is amazing. The colours are amazing. The variety of flowers. There's one particular lawn I do when I come in the springtime. There are just all these different flowers all around and I just think it's incredible. But James says flowers are very temporary. You know, the sun comes up with the heat, it's withered and it's gone. Of course you can water the plant you can fertilise it, you can look after it, but it's still going to die. I often think people should remember the beauty, the temporary beauty, the, the wonder that God puts into flowers and remind us of our lives, our bodies are an amazing thing, but our life is temporary. Sometimes we live like we're going to live forever. In one sense we are. It's a shame, I think, for a young, beautiful life to be terminated by an accident, by abuse from drugs sickness, murder and war. It's a terrible thing. Life is so very short. We need to make a count by first serving God and then secondly serving others. Our life is very short, just like a flower or just like a mist. What is your life? How do you look on your life? This is a very important issue to James. That's why he asks the question. How important is an issue is it to you? How would you answer James if he was here and said to you, what is your life? Would your answer be acceptable to God? Are you focused on serving God or gaining possessions? Jesus had something to say about that. Luke 
chapter 12, verses 15 to 21. He said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then he who will get what he has prepared for himself. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but he's not rich towards God. We don't know the day of our death, do we? Probably a good thing. We may live a long life of three score and ten, seventy years plus, or we may get sick and die in an accident. Just don't know. One of the guys I mow a lawn for is in his nineties. And uh, he's conscious about the temporary nature of life. And he says, oh, I think I'll go before you. I said, I could walk out there on the Hume Highway and get hit by a semi-trailer and beat you there. You just don't know, do you? I've got to drive home from mowing the lawn. We don't know how long we've got, really. But we need to be ready to meet our maker at any time. You young people think you've got all of life before you. Maybe. Maybe not. We don't know. Be ready. Don't store up treasures on earth. Rather, store up treasure in heaven. Seeking God's kingdom first is the way to go. A good illustration that's happened recently, uh, Michael and Leonie Russell's next door neighbour's house burnt down on New Year's Eve. An amazing thing to see. Uh, Michael and Leonie's uh, uh, decided their house is sort of scorched. The plants, the, plant, the pot plant on their stop, top step melted. The people were actually on a harbour cruise on Sydney Harbour. We don't know, do we? Even the money in their safe melted. How do you get a refund on a molten ball of plastic? Life is very temporary. We don't know, do we, how long we've got. They lost almost everything. Are you storing up possessions in bigger barns? We cannot take any of it with us. In fact, you leave everything you have behind. You say, oh, I'm going to leave to the kids. Well, that'll probably spoil them. Not always a good idea. Better to invest in the kingdom of God. Life is short, just like a mist. We should be ready for eternity. Don't waste your life by just taking it easy, by eating, drinking, or just looking for happiness. Is the purpose of your life to collect possessions and wealth? It seems like it sometimes, doesn't it? Our next door neighbour is selling the house and they were going through their garage and carrying all this stuff out. They've got a downsize. And so all their treasures are on the footpath and other people are coming past and picking up bits and pieces, including me. I've got a bit of extra junk in my garage now. We can spend our time, can't we, just storing things and wondering. I have, I think, five axles. Do you know what an axle is? Yeah, well, we've replaced them with angle grinders now. I've got five axles. Anybody want one? <laughs> you, just can't, you can only use one at a time unless you're really good and can do this, but it's very difficult. A friend of ours was telling me just uh, Friday evening on Australia Day of a neighbour of theirs who, uh, whose superannuation only pays them $1,000 a week and they don't know how they're going to survive. Wow. Mm. 
this, uh, it's all in your perspective, isn't it? What if your house was to burn down? What is your goal in life? To eat, drink and be merry? Are you really ready to meet God? What would make you happy? What was important if you were to die today? Would Jesus say to you, well done and good and faithful servant? Are you ready to meet your maker? Are you seeking first God's kingdom? In other words, are you ready for judgment day? This concept that James is sharing with us is really an Old Testament concept. A couple of verses. Hosea chapter 13 verse 3 says this, Therefore they will be like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears, like chaff swirling from a threshing floor, like smoke escaping through a window. Notice those words, like a mist, like smoke. Isaiah 44 verse 22, I have swept away your offences like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. It's a different perspective on it, isn't it? Like a cloud, like a morning mist, forgiveness of all those offences. What a blessing to have that wiped away like a mist disappears. That's what forgiveness is about. Our, life are very, our lives are very temporary. Our lives are in God's hands. Then Psalm 39 verses 4 to 6. Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the message of my days, the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as hands breaths, and my age is nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is I've lost the page. Found it. Is but a vapour. Surely every man walks like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. I think maybe Jesus had that verse in mind when he said those words in the parable. God has numbered your days. You cannot extend or lengthen your life unless God allows you to do that, like he did with King Hezekiah. We are very frail or weak. We only have to be a little bit sick and we find that out very quickly. We can easily do that lose our health very quickly. We need to trust God with these things. Proverbs 16 verse 9. In his heart a man plans his course but the Lord determines his steps. God controls our steps and our circumstances causing us to change our plans. Proverbs 27 verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring forth. I think James may have that verse in mind when he wrote these verses to us. Let's look again at James chapter 4 verses 13 to 17 and notice in the middle of this verse, verse 14, if we can flick over to the next one, there it is, yeah, notice I've bold printed it for you. James says, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. We boast about our lives, what we will do. Such boasting, James says, is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. So our attitude to life, if it is wrong, if it's not biblical, means we are sinning. The Puritans were the result of a revival that took place right back in early church history, well, about 1500s. And one of the things that they did in their speech, they often used these words, God willing. The Puritans used to use the letters DV, which are the Latin letters for God willing. Even the old ancient Methodists used to do the same thing. In fact, if you read through Methodist history documents, even church bulletins would have 
the events were on and there'd be the letters DV after them. I think this is a good custom, but of course there's a danger there that we just say the words but we don't mean it from our hearts. Nevertheless, I wonder if the reason we don't use these letters DV today or say those words is that we fear of just using words and don't, not meaning them, you know, vain repetition. But I think it's better to avoid the modern influence where we don't have any respect or reference to God at all. It is God who controls the circumstances of our life. One commentator says, Christians serve the living God who was sovereign over all creation. Bowing to his will should not become a matter simply of saying the right words. James wants action more than words. James is commanding us to change our attitude. We know it's a change of attitude amongst us as his people. It is good indeed for us to say the Lord willing when we make our plans. It is better to mean it by living under his control every moment, every day. Humility is not an option for the believer. It is essential if we want to walk with God and that's what we mean when we say if God is willing. We are humbling ourselves. We are walking humbly with God. James says a lot about that in his book. We cannot walk with God if we are proud and sinful. In short, a biblical lifestyle knows nothing of looking out chiefly for number one for yourself. We can repeat the old saying, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. God needs to be number one in your life and in your plans. We need to say with John the Baptist, we must increase, sorry, he must increase, exact opposite, I must decrease. The Bible Knowledge Commentary also has a good quotation. Man's plans are always tentative. His plans are not his own. Time is not his own. In fact, life is not his own. It is blasphemous. It is a blasphemous denial of God's authority and grace to think that we, instead of God, control events. (coughs) James is not trying to banish planning from our lives. Not at all but only a self-sufficient, self-important planning that keeps God for Sundays and we look after Monday to Saturday. We have two proverbial statements that are relevant to what James says. I like them both. Man proposes, but God disposes. And don't count your chickens before they hatch. Some of those chickens might die or may never hatch. Jerry Bridges says this, occasionally we hear that some public event has been cancelled due to circumstances beyond our control. The fact is, he says, however, all circumstances are beyond our control. We are absolutely dependent upon God for carrying out of our plans. The person who, the person who fears God not only acknowledges this, but delights to do so, or he or she finds great joy in realising our dependence on moment-by-moment care of our loving, sovereign, heavenly Father. It's a great statement, isn't it? It is God that controls our circumstances. Quite often when Richard and I are mowing, if it rains, we start to grumble and say, oh, we want to finish our jobs. And one of my favourite expressions is, you can't argue with the weather. It's like arguing with God. If it's raining, it's raining. And you need the rain to make the grass grow so you can mow a more lawns. It's a, it's a cycle, isn't it? So we need to be positive. James is saying we need to consider it a joy whenever we encounter these changed circumstances. That's hard, isn't it? He says that in chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy 
when we encounter trials and difficulties. Our response should not be moaning and grumbling. Our response should be, praise the Lord. Simple as that. John MacArthur in his commentary puts it this way. Christians have the comfort of knowing that the sovereign, omniscient, omnipotent God of the universe controls every event and circumstances of their lives and weaves them all into his perfect plan for them. Romans 8.28 The teaching of Jesus. Jesus said, Matthew 6, verse 33 and 34, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I think James is getting his teaching directly from Jesus. After all, he did grow up with him. Our life must be, our life might just be like a mist, that we can make that mist count for God. We need to stop focusing on the things this world thinks are important, like possessions, living a long life. We need to obey the teaching of Jesus and stop worrying about how we can survive. We need to seek God's kingdom, seek to serve God all the way through our short life. If we do this, God will supply all our needs. You see the promise in verse 33? All these things will be given to you as well. We just sang, didn't we, about standing on those promises. As we focus our lives on serving God, he promises to take care of our needs. He controls our circumstances. God is a gracious God and he will bless us greatly if we seek to use our short lives to serve him. Will you commit yourself to putting God's kingdom first? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I like the great hymn that we're going to sing in a moment. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mould me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, yielded and still. Is that your attitude to planning? Do you pray? Do you have your own, do you pray or do you have your own way in life? Do you see yourself as clay, God moulding you through your circumstances? Do you neglect to recognise God's rule as your plan? Do you plan without looking towards God at all? Do you boast that you'll do what you like, regardless of what God says? That's a sin. Is the way you live your life a blasphemous denial of God's authority? Or do you recognise that your life is short? Let me lead you in prayer. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. We thank you that you are sovereign, that you know all about our circumstances, that you have absolute power and love. We acknowledge that we are totally dependent on you for our existence. We acknowledge that our plans and hopes for the future are really all in your hands. We thank you that you do change our circumstances, that you guide us through the events of life. Please forgive us for those times that we've made our plans without any thought of what is your will. Please forgive us for the times that we say, if it is the Lord's will, but do not mean it in our heart. Please forgive us for wasting so much of our short lives doing nothing really important. Help us, we pray, to humbly submit to you not just in our words but also in our attitudes and our plans. Please guide us as we evaluate our lives and direct us how we can make our short lives count more for your purposes and your kingdom for eternity. 
Please mould us into the vessels that are fit for your service, that bring glory to our Lord Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.